Awesome. Well, Brandon, appreciate you being on here. Um, it's good to catch up. It's been a while. Absolutely, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good to see you. Like the uh, fresh cut. So you're going a little bit shorter on the hair yeah, these days. Yeah, I, I alternate. I feel like, uh, yeah, I'm not like old enough where I have like a, a style that's in between. So I either go really long or just short and kind of just, yeah, go back and forth. Yeah, but um, yeah, great having you on here. Um, you're You're in Miami right now, right? Yes, sir. Beautiful sunshine state. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a great time to be here. It's always a great time to be here literally all year yeah. round. You know, it's like 70 to 80 degrees. And I mean, as you know, I mean, tech's having a moment. The city's yeah. having a, you know, it's renaissance. Um, so it's it's been really fantastic. Yeah, no, definitely want to want to talk more about that. Um, awesome. Well, yeah, so really, really free flowing. I guess the, the, the way I normally start out is kind of like an overview, um, you know, love brand for you to share. Um, yeah, a little bit of like your journey, you know, since high school or whenever you started getting into entrepreneurship and like high level, you know, that path and where you're where you're at today. Yep, yeah, sure, man. Um, and absolutely also interested in uh, digging into some more Miami conversation. Yeah. I feel like, uh, you know, I'm not like annoying Miami friend who's constantly tweeting at people to like <laughs> come move to Miami. But, uh, you know, with an asterisk after I actually uh, get to uh you know get a mortgage on a home um all you guys trying to comp compete me for a home you can stay in new york till i finish that up yeah. but uh yeah taking it from the top you know uh born and raised in miami florida and it, it takes a while to really realize you know kind of how your journey has led you to the place that you're at um but it is quite clear to me that and i mean today i'm i love building teams i love building consumer products basically your products that you know everyday people can hold and use experience um and again it took me a while to really realize that uh i've had a lot of the elements that kind of brought me there really early on um you know shocking to learn that i was uh you know in middle school and high school it's like you're focused on you know the stem fields and you know eventually um in college found computer science and technology but you know from a very early age i was also all about those like extracurriculars and clubs and i just loved working in groups of yeah. people it's like the you know science honor society and science fair, uh, you know, and then in high school, I started our math club and, you know, we went and we would compete and then, you know, uh, part of the Spanish honor society. And then, you know, building an or like a volunteer mm -hmm. org and things like that. It's just like, I was always very passionate about just working with a group of people to build something, you know, greater or other than as the original quote goes, uh, other than the sum of its parts. Um, and so, you know, that started in high school, but then went to college and, Again, my love of math and science was really uh, shaken a little bit when I realized like what I really love doing is just building, um, you know, and, you know, falling into, you know, uh, kind of the, the computer science, uh, you know, um, uh, hamster wheel, if you will, um, you know, just fell in real deep, started building stuff for myself, always building games and then building like, you know, whether it was an artificially intelligent personal trainer that would like give you feedback on your squats or pushups or like a you know, personal training coach or like, you know, some fitness app or something like that. I was just always tinkering, always loved, you know, building out um, these products that I could use and that I was interested in using and, you know, could kind of visualize, build, get feedback on, share it with people. Um, but then, of course, in college also, like, couldn't get away from the orgs. And I mean, you know, this we met in basis, um, but I was, you know, I joined like Solar Car and, you know, I was doing that for like a year and a half, two years. And then I was part of AK Psy, led AK Psy, uh, you know, through lots of different positions and part of basis. And that was an incredible experience because at this point I'm like, you know, 20 running like 10 teams of, you know, 10 people, 15 executives with like 100 people volunteering. We have all sorts of programs, you know, we're generating hundreds of thousands in revenue a year. We have a budget of like a million bucks a year. We have a business development program. Um, you know, we have like, so, so all these different programs, you know, we have internal, basically educational programs. We're running science fairs or rather uh, career fairs. Um, and so I just, you know, couldn't stay away from it. Just loved it so much. Loved, you know, building teams, building strategy for these teams, organizations, understanding how people work. Then every time really found a, a, a more special opportunity to refine myself as a, you know, a, a teammate, as a leader, as a, um, you know, a, uh, uh, an architect of organizations, to be honest, is what I really, you know, some of the things I love to do. Um, and then after college, you know, I mean, journey, you know, my professional journey followed something similar. I had a quick stunt um, at a hedge fund um, for, you know, a little bit less of, the, of a year. I mean, I had a buddy who was previously 
um, on the uh, public equities team in Sequoia. It's basically like three of the five dudes running that team. Most folks don't know Sequoia Equity actually has a public equities group. And um, and they decided to leave, start their own hedge fund. And I basically came in and was building a big data system for them, trying to predict top level KPIs ahead of earnings reports. You know how it goes. I mean, that was awesome. Um, very, very kind of engineering heavy. A little bit of a, of a, of a shift from the things I've, you know, kind of described to be my interest and passion that, but, you know, within a few months, basically, you know, less than a year, I realized um, this was a very cool technical challenge, which is what lured me in initially, yeah. but is a departure from the things I was really excited about. Also in a small team hedge fund, the way it scales, it's less about building an org, you know, it's, yeah. uh, uh, in fact, you want to keep it small. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, everyone, everyone makes their, their paper. Um, and then, you know, found an opportunity with Jay to basically build Mira. Um, and, you know, Mira was a social commerce app in beauty focused on helping customers just find the right products for them. Um, tied to technology more closely than you'd think, just because it was all about uh, coalescing, aggregating all these different sources of information, products, catalogs yeah. into one place. So when, you know, a customer comes in and says like, hey, you know, I may be, uh, you know, a dark skinned woman looking for a good demi matte foundation. It's going to work well on my oily skin. We can actually surface the best results across, you know, every basically e-commerce catalog that exists. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that was just an incredible, I mean, that was four years of digging in deep, building a consumer product uh, within, you know, a, a fiercely uh, competitive industry. Yeah. On one side, you have Sephora and Ulta and the beauty retailers. Mm -hmm. On the other half, you have Instagram and YouTube and Facebook and, you know, basically like PhDs, you know, building algorithms to yeah, dick their yeah, customers, yeah. right? Um, and so that was an incredible experience, uh, you know, um, basically running uh, COO and co-founders are running like marketing, engineering and uh, product. And, you know, at some point we grew to a team of like 16 or so. And then uh, we're fortunate enough to, uh, you know, I think see enough traction and uh, customer excitement to basically get uh, acquired in the last year or so, uh, nine months at this point, by Femtech Health. Um, and Femtech is uh, basically a startup that is trying to deliver continuous care mm -hmm. for women across the health and beauty spectrum. Mm -hmm. It's a wide spectrum, but part of the thesis is that um, this is, in fact, a spectrum, um, and there's an opportunity to bring consolidated set of services um, to this industry. And um, so part of that is actually Awesome Woman, which is a healthcare brand that's being launched by Femtech Health uh, this week, oh, actually. Wow. And then the other part of that is Birchbox, uh, which is, you know, the pioneer in subscription services, yeah. uh, basically the first folks to do a subscription box model. Um, and that is actually currently the product I'm running. So I'm VP of product at Birchbox and kind of uh, driving forward a lot of, um, you know, that strategy. And we can't, give too much detail there, uh, but there's some really exciting stuff coming in 2022. And I think there's an incredible opportunity uh, with Birchbox, which as you know, is a household yeah, name basically yeah. at this point, household brand name um, to I think reinvent that subscription model again, which is, as you know, kind of has been on the decline for the last few years. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, so, a, a lot to dig into and, and yeah, and I always, yeah. always like catching up with you, Brandon, because I feel like you've done a lot. And also you, you've been like, like you said, brave enough to get in the consumer which I feel like very few people do, but to be honest, that's where like the magic happens. You know, you're building products for people. Um, I think kind of going earlier to what you were talking about in the beginning, um, stereotypical, but I feel like, you know, uh, so I, I know you and I feel like a lot of times you're an amazing engineer. You can build anything, um, but you're also social. You like being a part of teams and groups. That's probably maybe where the consumer side comes. I don't know. But I feel like a lot of times if you're someone's very like engineering focused, they usually do not care about consumers much or it's not as interesting to them. Yeah. Um, so I feel like maybe maybe that could be an explanation for why you love because, yeah, you're you're someone I know who literally like brand does everything, you know, lead, manage, can build. So um, that's always something that I was uh, you know impressed uh, by uh, of you. So. Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're tools. Right. And I mean, we'll we'll get into this later, but I think there's just so much fulfillment in creation and uh you know, some creation is simple and it's kind of like easy dopamine hits, yeah. right? You like make a thing with clay and that can be in, not to, you yeah. know, kind of, uh, you know, basically undervalue uh, that type of creation. Right. There's the simplicity is beautiful and gorgeous in and of itself. But um, but then there are much more complex forms of creation that I think go to something like creating a consumer product, mm -hmm. 
um, and all the creation that goes in between them. I and they are just interesting to me. I just like creating things, yeah. you know, and sometimes they're very visceral and in front of you. And sometimes they're much more complex things that you create an organization, a culture, yeah. Yeah. Uh, right? A way of working, uh, a, a philosophy, a set of values. Like these are all things that humans are constantly creating. Yeah. And I think there's just, and for me, it's like, I, I just find value in creation. Yeah. Um, and if I can, you know, ultimately create, I think things are benefiting other people. I mean, that's really where that intersection is really special. And I think in the consumer segment, um, it's just, it, it's, it's such a tough problem. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, I think it's a, it's a really exciting set of, of challenges to tackle. And, um, and for me, again, it, it's just like, it doesn't matter what, what form of creation it is. There's, there's a lot of meaning for it and they're all just tools and languages yeah. for you to use to, uh, drive impact. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah, someone similarly, I got, I've worked on a different, a lot of different problems and, I just love the process of it. And like each time you get bit, you get better. And, and to be honest around the management side, I mean, I feel like <clears throat> I used to like look down on that and say, Oh, that's all bullshit. Like, you know, management had to manage people, but I I've never gotten to the scale of managing like teams of people at all, but I've gotten like, you know, inched over more and more over time and also just interacting with different people, but and to truly be successful, you know, it's, you have to be able to organize and lead and understand you know how groups of people interact um and that's super valuable i mean like you literally i mean if you if you can build it you can build a product really well but you can't build a team you're, you're not going to go anywhere um so it's like you yeah. you have i've seen brand like you've you know been building different products and then every every instance has been more and more organization around it i mean mira you guys had you know uh, under 20 people i mean that's a massive team organizing that is like guys in their 20s and then now being part of a bigger organization, that's that's insane. I'm sure there's so much learning that you get from that. Yeah, man. And I mean, this was, you know, Femtech is a, it's a hell of a journey. It's super cool yeah. because we have such a diverse cast. I mean, really, it's like on the awesome woman side, which is a healthcare yeah. brand. It's like, you know, we literally have like scientists, like people like do like, you know, in labs, yeah, like, yeah. you know, uh, doing studies and fabricating, uh, you know, um, products and, uh, you know, basically really uh i think bringing a, a different discipline mm. you know to the table and uh, in fact the discipline i you know really value because it's uh when you're just working in the digital space for you know a, a physical consumer product mm. it's like it, you're just so limited yeah. right i mean you're just you're basically like a you know in many ways like a lot of these you know beauty brands are very much so uh marketing driven and like there's very little innovation in the actual like product offering and so yeah, it's just really excellent to be, you know, in an environment like Femtech. And like you said, I mean, new set of challenges, you know, working with a a, a very, very broad group of people. Yeah. And I mean, through, you know, there's several basically acquisitions and mergers that happening over the last year. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's been just an incredible experience to go through basically four plus companies coming together, um, you know, and being able to lead a lot of that and literally rebuilding, you know, organizations yeah. from the inside yeah. out. Uh, you know, it's just been crazy. Um and it's been really fantastic to be honest to just be able to bring a lot of the learnings we had at Mira um, and bring it to just this much, much wider scale. Yeah. Uh, you know, at Mira, I think we focus a lot on, you know, building high quality digital experiences and basically creating the value for the customer yeah. through the digital experience. Cause it was all about curation, helping you find like the existing, you know, products and kind of building this universal shopping yeah. cart. Um, whereas now at Birchbox, you know, there's a very, very real, uh, kind of differentiated physical offering and being able to pair that with the digital, I think is, you know, just really, really exciting. Um, not that, of course, I mean, at Mirror, we're selling physical yeah, products, yeah. but it's just different when the innovation happens on the digital mm -hmm. surface versus both the digital and physical surface. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, and so, yeah. And, and I think you need both nowadays, right? For a good yeah, consumer. I mean, consumers yeah. are getting more demanding. It's not, you know, it needs to look pretty and work. It can't just be one of the two. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. that's super cool. And I definitely want to, I, uh, a highlight. I remember being at Coho, uh, at Stanford and you were showing me like Mira 1.0 and you're like, Hey man, I'm going to get into the beauty industry. And I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, I, I, I kind of want to go back to that. I mean, like, and, and yeah. And like, I, I think, you know, it's funny cause like we all have different journeys and you know, I, who knows what's right. But you know, I, I've definitely taken a different path of just, you know, not wanting to work at a big company for my twenties and, just going and try things. And you did that. I, you know, looked up to you for that. Um, yeah, I guess like I'd love to hear more about that founding story um, around Mira 
and what you guys also learn getting to the beauty space. Because I feel like that's an industry that I don't know anything about. Um, maybe I should know more about it, but um, but yeah, I'd love to hear more about that. Uh, well, I mean, potentially one of the more surprising things that you'd learn right off the bat is that it's actually, you know, I mean, there's like all this shit about like, you know, Twitter's toxic yeah. and there's all this tea and like with the, but like generally the beauty community is very welcome. Hmm. Um, you know, and at least for us, they were very excited to have folks who were just very interested yeah. in solving their problems. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and we're very happy to kind of participate and they're very excited to tell you about mm. their interests and the things that they love and the things that they like and don't like. Um, and so again, generally very positive, very welcoming community. Um, I think a community with very high standards, mm. again, we, because we talked about that fierce competition, I mean, in terms of both the digital technologies that they use, but then also the brands yeah, that they associate yeah. with um, and the storytelling that exists. Right. Um, and so I think that those are, you know, it's, it's both you're balancing like incredibly, high quality like software and software craftsmanship yeah. that needs to go into the things that you build. Because quite frankly, at some point, like if you're building digital experiences for these beauty customers, like I'm not going to watch any video. I don't care how helpful the video is if it doesn't load quickly, yeah. you know, it's just like, it just does not matter. Um, and so it's that bar, but then also, you know, making sure that uh, you kind of get the brand right, yeah. you know, um, and that you're telling that one message and that people understand what you're about and they understand why you're an exciting brand and why uh, they should basically do business with you and why they want their identity to an extent, you know, uh, somehow be associated with you, whether through something very small, like ordering one product or through something like, you know, really advocating for the brand. Yeah. No. And, and, and I, and I actually like, I, I think it's really cool. We talked like touch on with like getting in a beauty. I think I, I've been thinking about this a lot recently, like that there are a lot of industries that, would love like i feel like you know tech people or product builders or whatever you want to call it people from like stanford especially go into the same you know industries broadly like you know uh SaaS or enterprise or, or fintech you know, SaaS at this point fintech, healthcare. yeah healthcare it's gonna be more and more but i feel like it's it's exciting and there's actually more untapped opportunity when you leverage those building skills like product people get into an industry that like before people didn't get into for some reason so I feel like, I mean, you know, I, I've experienced that and I've seen it with other friends getting to like construction or, um, you know, entertainment or whatever. It's like, oh, wow. Like most of the people in this industry didn't go to college, don't know how to build anything. And they have tons of problems. And you're coming in now and you want to join our world. Yeah, there'll be a little bit of like criteria and like make sure you're legit. But I'm, but beyond that, they're like, oh, wow, you can build things and you like we can finally, you know, solve our problems there. And they love that. And I, I actually think more people should look into like less um, ventured industries because there's a lot of opportunity. I mean, you could build simple software for dentists or something, you know, like, and they would like love you like, oh, wow, like you can improve this and you know how to build this. And I don't have to, you know, pay someone $100,000 or, or never get it done. Um, yeah, I guess, yeah. I mean, innovation is at the intersection, right? Of like all the different fields or like yeah, true innovation, yeah. I think happens when you bring different fields together yeah, yeah. and you you know basically cross pollinate yeah um, right and i think that that's yeah and i mean you know there, it's just more it, i think the i think it's just uh hard to identify those problems because there is so much value yeah. in having experience in these different industries and it's just like the industries that are immediately around us are like just squeezed dry yeah. of course but then the other industries are the ones that you know the young, you know, uh, uh, coastal elite do not necessarily interface with everyday like truck drivers, yeah, yeah. right? Where maybe there's more innovation. So and so obviously it's like it requires a little bit more intentionality yeah. to really pursue um, and explore some of those different industries. And and sometimes it's like even if you felt like this was a good industry, how do you even get started? Yeah, like, you know, I mean, just go out there and get it. Just go talk to a bunch of people, you know. But it's like um, when you're doing a, a bit of a breath first search, I think it can be uh stagnating principles definitely definitely i mean i think it'd be interesting if like you if you went the other way around i've thought about this like where industry people with the means to like pay for the product themselves and like be a big enterprise client reach out to like builders in college or you know tech people whatever and it's other way around where they're posing their problems and then like contracts almost the people bid on them um and like there should be yeah. more of a consulting approach where like you do get because it's like Andreessen horowitz like software is eating the world it's like 
feel like initially it makes sense. I mean, probably how you, you have to start, but it was like software applications for software versus like software for other industries. Like, um, you know, is how much can we hyper optimize like product tools for a product team at a software company? Like, you know, like let's, yeah, yeah like, the margins are getting smaller. Um, but no, that, that that's, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. And I guess like with, with beauty, like, I don't know that much about it. I like what, what were some like interesting things that you learned, like getting into, like, I guess like high level, like what, what is beauty? Like, what are the, like the high level categories who runs it? Like, are there any like people behind like, you know, like curtains or whatever and like smoke filled rooms that just like run this shit and like no one knows about, like, I don't know anything about the beauty industry. Uh, yeah. I mean, so, you know, there are about uh, five major conglomerates that actually run like the physical beauty industry, you know, and that's um, basically LVMH, which includes Sephora right. and, you know, Louis Vuitton and a bunch of luxury brands. Um, it's S.A. Lauder. It's um, uh, L'Oreal. It's uh, Shiseido. And I think those are actually I think those are the biggest beauty conglomerates. But then you also have like, you know, um, the Unilevers and, you know, the Procter and Gambles and all these folks. And then you have a bunch of independents, right? Um, so, so it is like a, a fairly small number of like big conglomerates that own a lot of the brands like LVMH, for example, runs like, uh, you know, Kendo brands and like uh, Fenty Beauty and like a lot of these other brands as well. They get featured in Sephora and then they buy up a bunch of anytime, you know, hot brand is coming up, they buy it up. And is so there a connection? You said Procter and Gamble, sort of cut you off. Like, is there a connection between chemical companies? And, or like like CPG slash chemical manufacturers who can like do perfume at scale and like cosmetics with like beauty and they have like a beauty subsidiary. Is that a, like a, a connection or? Uh, good question. I mean, you know, I don't think that that is necessarily, I'm sure there are synergies yeah, yeah. in a lot of these consumer companies. Again, you know, like Johnson & Johnson, you know, it's doing, so, so there are a lot of synergies, but um, I, I wouldn't say that there are a lot of like chemical first, like, you know, manufacturers that then are like going into beauty, yeah. uh, you know, obviously their partnerships are struck and like beauty companies will own their own sometimes, yeah. uh, you know, their own manufacturing facilities. But, um, but yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say there's anything stand out there that comes to mind here, but I'm also not like, you know, an expert uh, on that part of the ecosystem. Yeah. It is worth noting, like, this is a physical product, but then beauty is also like, you know, that's, those are the folks manufacturing the products and getting the money, but uh, you know, from the product sales, but you also have a massive content industry around this. You have an influencer and entertainment industry around this. Like there's a lot, right. That drives a lot of that. And so that's like, I mean, who's winning there? I don't know. Facebook and Google, you know, first of all, of course, extracting advertising dollars out of every and, business in the world, beauty being. One and, and the branding is so important. I mean, look at like, I mean, I mean, people don't talk about this enough and I feel like it's like worth looking into like the Kardashians and Jenner and like how they just, I mean, I'm, you know, like hats off. They're really, they have a smart team and, you know, whatever, but it's all the brand and they just, they're, I'm, I assume the products are like pretty high quality from the same factories. It's almost like alcohol, but they're just branded so well that like they just crush. Like, I, yeah. yeah. I, can, I was going to say, I can't speak to like KKW in particular, if it's like Kim Kardashian, I'm not going to, you know, yeah, be saying anything negative, but there are a lot of specific, you know, there are a lot of brands, of course, are influencer led and are commoditized. Uh, You know, the actual product is a commodity. It's just like, you go to some, you know, manufacturer, you're like, hey, I want this product. And they're like, oh, we'll like do a custom formula for you where like, at the end of the day, the things you're really choosing don't matter that much, you know? Um, And then we're going to ship it out and it's going to be branded. And of course, like, but that's what, that's part of what you're selling with beauty. um, Oftentimes, right, is a, is a value system from the brand it's a story it's an affiliation of course it's a status symbol there there is real innovation there is real innovation and beauty you know um folks doing a really good job i mean i'll give curology a a shout out people love curology basically you go out fill out questionnaire they give you a custom formula um you know it's usually a, a couple products depending on your needs um and i think that's an example of true innovation and the truth is like I mean, it, it's really good work. It's not like, you know, anything crazy, yeah, yeah. you know, it's just like, hey, these are the ingredients that we've isolated and that we understand address some of these things. And then we have enough of a like repeatable template or pattern to meet the specific needs of these customers. Um, and in fact, you know, I can share a little bit with Femtech Health. I mean, you know, we're, we're trying to actually provide solutions for needs. Um, and of course, beauty is 
beauty is fun. It is delightful. It is about exploration. It is about discovery. That's a lot of what Birch Box has traditionally been. We don't want to lose that. Um, but, you know, that is a, a key part of, I think, our mission at Femtech is to truly drive solutions that are going to make a difference for customers, help them, you know, address their hair loss concerns or help them address their dull skin or help them understand and, and, what are the concerns super, that they should be spending money on versus not. Like super personalized, I assume. Yeah. And I mean, just, you know, it's personalization is like something gets thrown a lot yeah. around in beauty. It's like the thing's just for you. And it's like, and it's not to, you know, that is important, yeah. but what's also important is just helping customers understand what are, you know, um, just how they can start to address their concerns. And sometimes, you know, even helping them understand what may feel like latent yeah. needs, um, but are like real opportunities to address something, right? And it's not, you know, it's not from the perspective of like, hey, here's like a really, really beautiful lipstick you really need. Yeah. It's more like, hey, have you started maybe having these particular uh, signs or symptoms on your skin that might be speaking to, you know, you generally being dehydrated. Yeah. What are the right products are going to address these, you know, issues? Um, and so it's a huge educational component. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a lot of curation and personalization as well. Um, but like there's, you know, with that, it's it's the understanding that we're trying to really um, understand what beauty mm -hmm. means from the inside mm -hmm. out, uh, you know, and, um, and, and try and meet the customer where they're at there without really focusing on, um, I think, some of the more, uh, again, commoditized brand and market driven aspects of beauty. Super cool. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's a massive industry and like, I mean, I, I would assume you're like, you guys are the only few Stanford or like tech people who've gone into it out of college, which is like super, I mean, like, I think just like diving in, it's almost like consulting, diving in and learning it is exciting, you know, like learning about, and then, you know, like you said earlier, <clears throat> like creativity, like the definition that a lot of people use is like it's just analogies. And so you bring an analogy from like, you know, I don't know, some software like product to this industry. There's a lot of innovation that can come from that. Um, yeah. uh, Just one last yeah, point yeah. there. I'll, and uh, a lot of beauty companies are run as a marketing first or merchandising first company, mm. uh, which is cool because, you know, it does, it's storytelling first. Oftentimes it's brand, yeah. uh, brand vision first. It's super important. But a lot of these companies aren't run like, product-driven technology companies mm -hmm. that, you know, are trying to understand customer behavior and solve for real pain points. And that in and of itself is just a massive paradigm yeah, shift, yeah. right? Um, just that different way of, of thinking. And it's not to say it's better, but it is to say it's an approach that uh, we like to take, um, right? And is a competitive advantage to an extent, right? You don't think it's better, but you think it, it's needed, right? I mean, it... it it's certainly the approach that I, uh, you know, subscribe yeah. to. Um, it's not to say those other things aren't critical. It's just to say that it is, you know, a function of, uh, or is a, a component of the overall product experience yeah. and the problem we're trying to solve for our customer, yeah. which can be a sense of belonging to a brand and a value system. And that's very meaningful, but it can also be more concrete needs being discovered and addressed. Um, as it pertains to your physiological health and well-being, yeah. um, which beauty is, of course, a meaningful part. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I definitely agree with that. And that's and that, that's a good way of, of putting it. Um, uh, what did you say? Oh, yeah, I definitely have to bring it up. I remember, Brand, you were saying uh, that you predict one day that men will wear makeup. What are your what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, man, I mean, that's <laughs> What do you mean? You need to clarify that because that's already true, sure. right? I mean, like, other, wait, yeah. I mean that's already yeah, true. Yeah, but yeah. It, I, I, the the trend is going up. There's no there's no, you know, question. Um, colored cosmetics and of course like all other sorts yeah. of you know products in the beauty categories, skincare, of course like you know beard grooming, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. all these things, right? But generally too is like as a society, I think as we start getting towards, you know. You know, the the idea of like a UBI, universal basic income, yeah. and basically enriching ourselves as a society that, uh, you know, is not needing to work necessarily 40 hours a week and can instead, you know, basically leverage technology yeah. and kind of our, you know, economic advancements to just basically uh, spend more time in creative pursuits, yeah. uh, you know, higher levels of fulfillment, things like that. Yeah, I think we're going to we're going to lean towards like using more cosmetics and things like that. I mean, it is is an art. It's a form of self-expression. It's like yeah. these are the types of things that, you know, um, 
are really near the 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 top of the hierarchy of needs, right? right? Yeah. Uh, and so I yeah. think as we start getting in that direction, I I totally see that. You know, there's no reason to believe that. I mean, even if you think about, you know, some people believe in these like, you know, post not post apocalyptic, but like, you know, future states where like humans are just like playing video games all yeah, day. Yeah. Um, and what are you doing with your video games? You're getting skins and you're doing all these things and you're decorating them and yeah, like, yeah. What, you yeah, know? absolutely. And, 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 yeah. and that's, I feel like that's going to happen, but it's, yeah, I don't know. I, metaverse is like an interesting topic. Um, but no, but you're hundred percent right. And, and good point. And like you mentioned it earlier, but to bring it up, like hair prevention for men, like, you know, most straight men, like, or just, any, you know, hair loss, beard trimming. I mean, these like kind of masculinized, like beauty, like that's still beauty. And, and it's funny. Cause that's, become like it's kind of like slowly creeping up that that's like becoming more and more mainstream like roman like all these companies are coming out of nowhere like um yep. there's a couple of them that do like yeah like trimmers you know for like your your body and things like that um that is becoming more and more of a thing um yeah i mean even like there's like these like patches you put under your eyes if you if you didn't yep. sleep well and like you know men and women use them so it definitely is happening i know like they always say asia is more ahead of, of beauty than, than like the West. Um, and, yep. but no, I, I, I agree with you. Um, be interesting to see how that, like how that becomes more, there's opp- opportunity there, you know, even just like focusing on the male market um, and break, catching them up to speed in a way. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting market. There are a lot of different segments of men and yeah. beauty, you know? Um, and so it's, yeah. And a lot of different parts are growing. Like you said, like more, uh, uh, you know, more like beard and hair care and things that, you know, yeah. are more classically in the like masculine domain, yeah. um, more like skincare. That's like men being like made aware of the fact that they should actually uh, care yeah, about yeah, the yeah. health of their <laughs> epidermal layer, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, in addition to every other part of their body. Uh, and then they're more like kind of pigmented cosmetics and stuff that again, are getting more to like the creative expression mm-hmm. um, of course. And like more to like the artistry that, you know, and a lot of those men end up being, involved in the beauty industry not everyone does yeah. but you know so there are lots of different segments of men and um you know they're they're less kind of concentrated of course in the the female uh 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 segments yeah, right yeah uh, it's interesting yeah. to see that 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 trend um yeah i guess one area about mira that you know i know you're you know on top of this like the, the data side and you i mean like actually really relevant because i you know been kind of working on a couple of side projects website stuff and like growth hacking and marketing, people forget is an interesting topic that like a big, a big, a big focus is like traffic, like website traffic. And that word website traffic and webmasters and SEO and things like that seems so like web one, we're in like web three, about to be web three, but it's even, it's, it'll never be, it'll always be relevant. But I feel like people forget about that. Like they forget about like, what SEO and like traffic coming to your site and things like that. Unless until you get to the nitty gritty and like you're focused on that, like Mira's business model is based all around like traffic. And yeah, I guess like, what are your, like, what did you guys learn yeah. from just like understanding and optimizing website traffic and, and that whole like realm? Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, you know, for us, I think we, we were fortunate enough to be able to fully align kind of our product and distribution yeah. Um, which is, of course, always great when you can do that, when our product is, you know, predicated on being able to answer these specific questions customers have of us when they're searching something or maybe they don't explicitly type it out, but they say foundations. What do they really mean? They mean, I want to see the best foundations or I want to see the best foundations for my skin or I want to see the best, you know, long lasting foundations. And being able to have this rich taxonomy and understanding of the space allowed us to not only and then when a customer clicks on the foundation, being able to say, here are all the things about the yeah, foundation yeah. you care about. Here are like people with your skin tone applying the foundation. So us being able to address those customer needs to help them find the right product is a very same thing that helped us basically programmatically build, you know, lots of content, hundreds of thousands of web pages that were basically, uh, you know, answering all these very yeah. specific long tail and, you know, medium and head, uh, you know, queries uh, that people were entering into Google and then driving a shit ton of traffic. And then it's great because, now, once a customer has actually clicked on that link that says this is, you know, the most non-oxidizing, let's say, foundation for X skin type, they've immediately kind of uh, experienced the value of our business, which is the fact that we're helping you find yeah. the right product for your very specific need. You're landing on that page, you're seeing what yeah. you need, uh, and then you click in. And, and I think that's what's really beautiful about 
the opportunity with SEO um, is human intent is never going to go away. I mean, again, at the, maybe at the point where we're all just like zombies sitting in chairs and playing video games, yeah, yeah. you know, 200 years into the future or whatever, uh, then maybe. Uh, but for now, while, while there's an economy, yeah, and consumers yeah. are sleep buying things and there's intent, I mean, it's going to be there. And, and so, uh, yeah, I think there's a massive opportunity still within that high intent kind of distribution yeah. space. And I think what's worth noting as well is that um, there will continue to be changes, but that doesn't, that SEO industry does not move as quickly as you'd think. You know, why do you see a bunch of, for example, um, recipe websites that just don't give you the fucking recipe, right? Like I looked up a recipe. It's like, why am I reading yeah, 10,000 yeah. words of text before I get to the recipe? Yeah. Um, that's a remnant of some of the older kind of, you know, black hat, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, SEO tactics. Um, and so all to say, like, there's still a lot of opportunity there. Things are going to be moving and shaking. Google's always releasing, you know, updates and things that they claim are going to be much more intelligent yeah. in terms of understanding how user needs are being met. But um, it's a rich space, man. There's so much opportunity. And when you can marry that distribution and product, I mean, that's magic, right? That's what yeah. you're looking for. And, and no one's, I mean, even like a big part of that, which you guys touch is affiliate marketing. And I've done a little bit of research, like that's a massive space. No one talks about or knows, like there's public companies. It's like Taboola. There's like a bunch of them that like just affiliate and, and affiliates are everywhere. And it's around content marketing, blogs, and then just like a, a, just CPA networks. Like these are things I had no clue yeah. about and that exist that's, that run a lot of, of everything. Um, like what, did, yeah, I guess like how, how did you guys play with affiliates and like, what did you learn about like the affiliate world? Uh, you're saying driving traffic through affiliates or you're saying more like, uh, um, doing things like a backlinking and like driving like traffic and then getting, you know, a, a fee or referral. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, to be honest, we didn't spend a lot of time there because again, our focus was like on finding customers where they were okay. at with affiliate. Um, and there, of, there's of course opportunities. Someone is like, you know, writing about, you know, a, a blog all on like sensitive skin, uh, you know, solutions, yeah. then great. Then maybe that'd be a great person to drive traffic to like a sensitive skin, you know, page or something that we had. Um, but again, what we found best was really that, you know, those long tail queries that we were able to build for super specifically. Mm -hmm. uh, and then in fact, we'd use the affiliates or, or those external partnerships were really for backlinking to be mm -hmm. honest and to drive a lot more traffic and some credibility, of course, to the pages. Um, we did do some like, you know, we did try some uh, affiliate stuff. I mean, throughout our years, I mean, we did a bunch of influencer pushes and, you know, we'd use some of these platforms where it's like you put out a, a prompt and someone, you know, uh, basically post stuff. And yeah, we saw, we saw some success there, but to be honest, it was just hard to beat the organic SEO. And then even the, I mean, the Facebook marketing at the time, was just crazy. Cause it's yeah. like, you can target so well, vegan skincare for yeah, X concern yeah. and and that worked really well for us. Actually. Interesting. But, but and, and on that, and I definitely want to talk about Miami, but um, uh, are those, at, so like two thoughts, like with web three and everything, and maybe this is out there. Could you like better regulate internet traffic? Like, could you add like a blockchain layer in a way of like getting, like almost giving credit to people visiting different like pages oh. and like almost, cause I feel like the internet still it's web one, like traffic is just a mess. And like, like, you know, you guys are trying to curate traffic, right? But it's still just imagine the internet as like, you know, a, a neighborhood and your people are just going to different stores and jumping around and all that. Like that is just so just a mess. That's so messy and like not really well accounted for. There's a lot of value that could be like shared, I guess. But like, do you think Web3 could in impact like website traffic? And then also what are your, like, what are your thoughts on like Facebook just getting too congested as a marketing channel? Uh, those are huge topics. I mean, we've talked about one, you know, we we're pretty excited, uh, at some point when we are thinking about that very thing, like, what does it look like to, you know, truly have like a proper attribution model leveraging the blockchain. And, you know, to be honest, it's just like, basically it's a matter of centralizing on the decentralized protocol. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it's like, at the end of the day, like, while you have all these other players, like everyone kind of needs to be playing at least in the most, uh, I think, obvious solution yes. to me, you know? Um, and, and at that point, that's actually the problem, the primary problem to be solved anyways, right? It's just like everyone getting on the same page about some protocol. Yeah. doesn't matter what it is, just some protocol. 
Um, and so I'm sure there are creative ways to actually inject that, but that's like the first thing that comes to mind is like, I think it's just generally tough and I'm not sure if like literally just throwing on the blockchain, of course, is going to change it, um, you know, but, but, but yes, I mean, there's much more incentive to get onto a decentralized protocol than for everyone to get onto an arbitrary centralized protocol. In like, in like right. I guess we had cookies as that form of it, but like, I'm wondering, like, could you create a toll booth? Like, could it collect information in a decentralized way of which sites that you go to, and then you can benefit yep. from that information? Because right now, cookies used to do that, I guess. Now they're kind of wiped. Yeah. Um, and yeah. like, it just seems like traffic goes from point different points and it's unorganized. It's it's still, well, you're still writing blog posts and doing organic. Like, sucks. <laughs> um, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. For sure. And like, and, and there only will be more and more traffic, right? There's more and more products. There's more and more destinations. So that's going to get even more. More and more devices, privacy, yeah. obscuring that further, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a complex system, you know, a lot of, a lot of players, a lot of different incentives. Yeah. Um, but there's definitely an opportunity to continue improving that, uh, even if it's like within specific niches, you know, because um, there's so many different problems yeah. and so many different stacks that people are getting set up. And so I don't think I don't think we're going to see a single solution anytime in the near future. If ever. Yeah. Uh, but I think we will continue to see more of these like, specialized verticals for specific mm -hmm. use cases and groups of e-commerce players and things like that, you know, to help them out. I mean, there's some cool stuff. I mean, I'm sure you've seen some of the out of home stuff uh, that at least are turning like out of home into performance marketing, which is kind of tangential with what you're talking with about. Cameras um, or, or location. Well, I mean, basically you just, you just have a, you know, an advertising uh, marketplace yeah. with uh, placements on things like walls that they project you know, big messages onto or like, you know, whatever, an electronic billboard that they can like actually feed like real time, yeah. uh, you know, uh, demand side um, uh, basically ads for. Uh, and then the way you track that is by basically using QR codes or something yeah. that gets a customer to actually pull out their camera and run through. Um, and then, you know, I mean, you get a sense of the most important, I, I mean, not necessarily, but like you can get, you can approximate uh, impressions. Yeah. And then start to get a conversion rate, but then at the point where you at least get that like initial click through rate, now you have a funnel, yeah. right? Um, and that's dope because you can at least say yeah, based on this click through yeah. rate, do they actually convert? I mean, the holy grail will happen soon where we connect the physical and the digital with like AR. Then that's going to be insane because yeah. then you can, yeah, yeah that, that's going to be crazy. Um, yeah, awesome. Well, no, I, I I just think you know I, I worked you know I worked a little bit in ad tech, worked at Facebook, any consumer business you have to it's all about traffic and demand generation. I mean, people just don't. Yeah, it's definitely complicated. Um, but yeah, I definitely want to talk about Miami. So you were in SF and then you moved back. Uh, what's, yeah, and obviously, you know, I'm, I'm from Orlando, from Florida. Um, heard a lot about like the... We have no problem hyping up the South Florida. I, I, I will say this, and I, I feel like people need to, not not to be like a sore loser or anything, but like people used to always shit on Florida growing up. Like I don't know if you always got this. And then now it's like everyone's moving to Florida. They're like talking about like tech in Miami. It's like... And now they're like, oh, wow, actually, Florida's great. It's like, like you guys were kind of banned. Like, now they're bandwagons in a way. Um, but, but it is 100%. I'm excited, man. though, for, like, you know, our state to grow. And people realizing also it's a very – it's a massive state, tons of people. You can't stereotype a whole state. Just like you can't stereotype – I mean, kind of can. But, like, you have a diverse – Florida's very diverse. Um, but, yeah, it's cool to see Florida kind of in the, in the spotlight right now. Uh, but yeah, I guess like how, what's, how's it been coming back? Like, what's the, the scene like? Uh, definitely want to talk about that. Yeah, man. I mean, so, you know, born and raised here. Uh, unfortunately, weren't a lot of great, you know, technology schools in Miami. UM is a great uh, biomedical engineering program. But beside the, besides that, it's just not that great. So went out to California, spent 10 years there. COVID hit. Uh, happened to actually come back. Uh, to work with my little brother through some stuff he was going through, mm -hmm. you know, uh, honestly a blessing um, that COVID enabled me to do yeah. that. And also just shook the world and helped them realize like, wait, you can work from like beautiful, sunny Miami, yeah, yeah, Florida. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and so he moved out here uh, basically on and off for a couple of years. It's hopping around. I was in LA, was in Mexico, was in like Tennessee for a while. Um, but point is like started around COVID and then, you know, a few months back, I was actually decided like going to come, settle in Miami for a bit because basically because I was able to convince my girlfriend, honestly, <laughs> um, that was the only thing ever holding yeah, me yeah. back. Um, but in terms of, you know, what's the scene like, you know, I've been I've been 
hyping up Miami since, you know, the day I left. I love my city. I've always loved my city. It's a gorgeous city. I also happen to have an incredible childhood mm -hmm. here, you know, having fun in the sun, um, enjoying the everything that it has to offer. I mean, just such a beautiful, beautiful, you know, um, place. Uh, and then, of course, you know, that the nightlife and the food and all those things, it's just how could you yeah, not yeah, enjoy yeah. it, of course. Um, and coming back, yeah, man. I mean, the experience is like, one, I'm super proud. I'm super happy. I'm so excited about everything Francis Suarez is honestly yeah. doing because it's, I know it's it's a village, man, but this guy has just been crazy what he's been able yeah. to do. Um, the visibility he's been able to give the scene. Um, and a rising tide lifts all boats. So like, you know, all these other people coming in and being bandwagoners, like that's going to be great for the state no matter yeah. what. Yeah. But man, there is, it hurts to see, you know, people that I can't help but feel like they're basically colonizing, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like our city in a way, you know, yeah. there's, it's not, it's not as collaborative as you'd always think, you know, there's, there's some stuff I've seen with some prominent, you know, Twitter figures and shit that just like, are clearly, you know, they, they don't, it doesn't feel like anyone gives a fuck about the local community to put it bluntly, yeah, yeah. except for the local community. Mm. Um, the people coming here are excited about their own shit. Yeah, that's yeah. great and whatever. But the point is that it does sacrifice to an extent um, the upside of the local community. Again, rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah. Doesn't matter. It's good for us. Net, net, you know, yeah. but um, but it's tough to see and it hurts, you know. Are, are, um, like any, any examples on that? Um, Miami Tech Week has been a thing for a long time. I'll have you know. Uh <laughs> It's a different thing yeah, now. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, my understanding and from what I've seen and heard is that that relationship between an, an older and a newer Miami Tech Week was like really rough to get mm -hmm. going, um, you know, and was not, again, necessarily as collaborative as it should yeah. have been. Um, you know, it's also just clearly the case that when I see, you know, all these people like making all this noise, it's like, I mean, you think it's like the little Cuban boys from Kendall? They're coming up and like, you know, making a ton of money. No, you yeah, know, it's yeah. like, it's like, you know, all these white dudes from San Francisco hidden deal. And that's great, you know, because again, it's like rising tide lifts all boats. It's going to be great. I mean, one of the reasons I think that Miami is so exceptional yeah. as a new tech hub as well is because, man, uh, we have a massive untapped pool of talent. Mm. We have, and, you know, I think we've chatted yeah. about this. We've had educated families, immigrant families yeah. that, you know, came from Cuba starting in the 60s. Yeah. Nicaragua, the Sandinista government, um, Chavez pushing out uh, a lot of folks from Venezuela, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. Those families came to Miami with nothing yeah. as their basically governments, you know, toppled over a lot of the social fabric that they yeah, you know, existed yeah. in. And it's taken them a while to really get on it, to, you know, get it, back and on. And it could be a, gener the a generational trend, right? thing. I, so Kojo told me this. Um, I don't know how true this is, but like, uh, <laughs> uh, no, interesting that like it is a generational thing where there's a lot of like, they're not a lot. Apparently there's a statistic that like successful people either usually have one, like know the language, like and they're their kids of at least one immigrant parent. So they have the hunger of an yeah. immigrant and they know the language. So they're, they're not like held behind by that. Um, so it could be generational, but like, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, like, Florida's was refuge for a lot of people, especially Latin America and a lot of yeah. hungry immigrants, that hungry immigrant, you know, that's, we, we, proud, like I, I, you know, I, you know, my mom's an immigrant. Like um, I think we, we, we forget about that as like, you know, Americans that that's a driving force. And also another thing too, which, which I'm sure you know about is like, there's a ton of money flowing into Latin America um, in terms of the VC market and startup market. And like Miami's kind of like the headquarters for that seems like yeah dude yeah miami's a, an incredible just crossroads between latin america and europe yeah. dude you know i mean how many you know how many of these like super wealthy like you know european aristocrats come to miami yeah. and like hang out at you know whatever club or what have you i mean there's just a lot of money flowing and it's an incredible port um for like animals plants people goods and services like literally everything is coming through miami you know um I mean, you know, in the 80s, I was definitely a port for all the bad yeah, stuff, yeah. you know. Uh, so, so yeah, man, incredible talent. I mean, and so that generation of immigrants, their kids yeah. are now kind of of age. I'm kind of one of those, you know, and are now like hungry and ready and have the hustle mindset yeah. and come from educated families yeah. 
but we're deprived of a lot of the systems that exist yeah. in Palo Alto or Northern California or wherever, yeah. where it's like, oh, like, you know, learn how to code in two years. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. $150,000 out of and, school at Facebook. You, it's you like, weren't in the country clubs and network. Yeah, yeah. You know, or even around that or even aware of that. It's even different. Like, it's just like Miami is like third world country, man. Yeah. You know, like people are getting like croquetas and cafecito on the corner yeah. and like, oh, like I work for, you know, my parents work for like a tiling yeah. business or whatever, yeah. you know, and. And so it's just, you don't have any of that awareness. Miami had none of those industries. The only industries it had really, I mean, it's like, okay, tourism, yeah. financial industry to an extent, yeah. and because it's a headquarters for some of the, you know, again, some of the other countries, nearby countries and Latin yeah, and yeah. stuff. And then uh, the medical industry. But beyond that, you know, it's like nothing. Yeah. Um, no engineering, no hard technology, really, yeah. or very little. So um, talent, incredible crossroads, and then just standard of living, man. I mean, it's gorgeous, yeah. uh, you know, weather amazing food gorgeous people uh you know just like it, it's a it's a great place to be so um it's exciting i think the opportunity to honestly educate this workforce yeah. Yeah. is massive especially in miami. yeah no i mean i feel like you know especially if you're back growing up you know in miami the whole whole thing and going to stanford coming back and like silicon silicon valley train like i think there's so much opportunity for you even like lead help the community grow and um, yeah, I mean, part of me, I was, I was conflicted. I was thinking about maybe moving to Miami instead of New York, but, and I, you know, eventually I want to, you know, it'd be cool to spend more time there. Um, but no, I've, I've heard great things, especially with like web three hype and all that. It's big, but the funny, the great. funny thing, you're talking about Suarez, it's true. He did a great job because you have like Eric Adams, who's like the New York mayor now, like he took his paycheck following suit. He just yeah. copied just... him. And so like it, like yeah. and and I I feel like I've never seen that before. Maybe in a different way of, but like of a like a local politician realizing that the cities are like companies in a way, and you want the talent to come yeah. and them kind of like marketing the the the, the place being open yeah. to tech. I'd never seen that before. I mean, I mean, I'm sure there's instances of like General Motors in Detroit and like obviously like you know Nevada and certain states give out um, uh, money and like taxes back to companies to move there, but in terms of like trying to market people to come and talent, that's pretty cool. Dude, it's, it's inspirational. Honestly, man, it's just like, it's it. And dude, here's the thing. He doesn't actually have, he, he has very little actual yeah, power, yeah, like yeah. jurisdiction over very few things. <laughs> like the mayor of Miami, yeah. Cassava has, she's like, you know, the police force yeah. and the, you know, fire police and all those people. It's like the infrastructure, like she actually has a you know much bigger budget, much wider jurisdiction. Yeah. He just got on Twitter, made it fucking happen. Yeah, no yeah, money yeah. moves. Like started getting people excited. And I mean, it's, again, it's just incredible. And I think speaks to the energy here, dude. You know, um, yeah, I mean, would absolutely encourage you to, you know, come through and spend more time. I think it's a great city, great energy. Yeah. I mean, I'll need to tell you, you know. Yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and and back to the point you were saying before, it's like, yeah, man. I'll, dude, I have so many friends from middle school and high school. They're learning how to code right now. Yeah. I'm like literally taking them through and I actually, my brother, um, he, you know, he was going through some like mental health issues, basically, uh, brilliant musician, yeah, yeah. brilliant musician. I mean, went to frost for music, like, you know, was doing that to heels, like mid twenties. Uh, and then basically at some point, you know, came in, worked with him and was like, Hey, as you transition in your life, you know, you may want to consider this career yeah. change, dude, he went zero to 125 grand a year literally never coding before wow. to that in like 17 months wow. and the guy's smart but like it is not it, it's a repeatable it's path. education and once you yeah. go it's it, it, it's 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 not that difficult it really isn't it's a matter of like yeah. sit down commit for like if you have and some people can't do it not everyone can yeah. do it but it's commit for 12 to 24 maybe 36 months leap into mm -hmm a new socioeconomic yeah, yeah, yeah like for the rest yeah. of your life and, you and it's it's incredible. and it's very much like a like a oh, i was just reading it the other day um like the the buzzword for it is like reskilling and there's a lot of like vcs investing money in, i mean a lot of companies being born in this space of the the, the labor market's changed right it's creator economy it's it's create it's creating things whether it's art that's whether that's like a software like just building things more right um and uh yeah more more people especially in their mid-20s who are right when they're flexible even third you can you can re-educate at any point it matters just like 
on your on your you know your your time, how much time you have. Um, but no, I, I think it's education and like about your brother. I think you're like or just in general. You know, I think um, like younger generations like are are more adaptable. And, and you were mentioning this before. That's true. That education system. I want to maybe end with this is is broken now and i felt this personally where like and you're seeing this right now where the fact that people have to go to coding academies or, or receive any sort of education after college like demonstrates that college did not do its job right it's laughable <laughs> it's it's yeah. the way i see it man and yeah i mean we we didn't even get into the education stuff this is this is like a, a honestly a big big passion of mine yeah. is yeah. like you know just reinventing secondary education yeah. blow away everything after like six <laughs> you know it's just it's it's just yeah. failing these yeah. kids man it's just so silly it's so silly really you know if you tell me think if you gave me 30 kids for two years at the age of 16 and these kids were not like and i mean assuming these kids had relatively stable homes and were not trying to make my life a living hell <laughs> yo are you telling me in a couple of years you couldn't get them basically making six figures at whatever web dev Shop yeah, yeah, doing yeah. React and Python backend. Are you fucking yeah. kidding me? Like, come on. You know, there's so much opportunity and people are just. And, uh, and, I, and I think some kids are, are are learning that on their own. And and actually, I've seen this and this. I, we talked about this. It inspired me as well with my career. You have 18, 19, you have Gen Z kids who are, I don't know what the like reason for it. And you can, people can make up reasons for, for how, why it's happening. But they're like learning. A lot of them are learning how to code on their own. A lot of them are selling like you know, like drop shipping, they're, they're selling, you're getting into crypto, they're getting big on like, you know, the easiest, not the easiest, but they're, you know, getting, becoming content creators and like, they're figuring out ways how to make money. And a lot of them are dropping out. Of, I know tons of people who have not even gone to college or millionaires and they're like under 20. I'm like, yeah. damn, like what, what, you know, I feel like, I'm just like, we're kind of at the point where we're seeing it, we're still able to, like, to adapt, but like, that's the new, that's the new world. And that does tie in really nicely with the whole like, you know, universal basic income aspect where people were afraid of robots, you know, everything getting automated. But in reality, like there are now more ways to make money and people don't want to work for companies and the companies don't need those. And so it actually kind of organically is working its way out. Like companies want people to work for them. People, they're, they're finding new ways to make money on their own as in, independent creators in some way. And those companies are then like, oh, wow, I guess we can just like automate the rest of this. And like, it's just the cycle that's actually working out pretty well, in, in my opinion. Yeah, it's crazy, man. How it's, I mean, we're going to see, you know, times have never been changing more rapidly, yeah. uh, you know, so it's, and that will be, incre be increasingly true every year that we live, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see. And the last thing I'll say is I think on the education yeah. front and everything that you're speaking to, uh, I do think that's a huge market. I think there's no shortage of. I don't think that boot camps are the ideal situation, but yo, we could use more yeah, of them. Yeah. Go, go tell all your friends yeah. to start a boot camp, man. I see all these dudes walking around like Miami and stuff, and I'm like, this is just this is that is a potential developer. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's a limiting reagent. Me sitting down and talking to him and telling him exactly what he needs to do over the course of 30 minutes, and him having the desire yeah. to again lift himself into uh, you know a new socioeconomic band, yeah. right? That's that's all it is. Uh, that's the limiting reagent. Conversations with people you trust and that you know, yeah. because the path is clear. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, yeah. well, Brandon, it's been great catching up. Um, and I and I, uh, I leave out questions on the future uh, of of you know what you're working on. I'm excited. I'm actually I'm excited for this year to follow along. Um, and but yeah, I guess like, is there any other? You know, you've been through a lot. You've learned a lot. You know, I've always looked up to you at Stanford. Like, are any like pieces of advice, you know, for anyone listening, figure out, trying to figure out their career, you know, trying to navigate, you know, life and all that that, that you'd want to share? Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess <laughs> the one piece of advice yeah. I, you know, constantly come back to, and I received a long time ago, actually, from a buddy. Uh, give him a shout out, John Yang Cemetero, uh, I think class of twenty. Class of like 2012 at Stanford. Yeah. Um, and he said this to me like years ago uh, was just like, you know, you, you need to be disciplined enough to understand the things that you're really excited mm -hmm. about uh, versus the things that you're afraid of missing out on and make sure you do the things you're excited about. 
uh, because that's what's going to get you up every morning yeah, yeah. Um, and keep, you know, get you pushing, keep you happy, keep you excited, keep you motivated, keep you in good spirits, which, of course, is, you know, everything. Attitude is all you can control. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing, you know, in other words, follow your heart. <laughs> uh, but, you know, more specifically, don't kind of buy into the FOMO, yeah, you know, because yeah. um, it's it can be short lived. And at least for myself, that's always been you know, advice that, that I've followed and has served me well. Um, and then the other piece of advice, I'll give you one more. My dad gave me this. It's very simple, but it's crazy how many people have not internalized this. You need to learn what to expect from all the people in your life. Mm. Uh, at some point when people keep disappointing you or frustrating yeah. you, it's your fault. It's not their fault, uh, <laughs> right? It's like at some point they can only they can only kind of give you the signal so many yeah. times and it's all on you to internalize that and understand again, what to expect from different people, what your relationship needs to be like with different people. And I think, you know, the only reason anyone ever gets upset is false expectations. Um, So if you can set the right expectations, um, you know, then you may not like what happens, but you at least have expected them, you know, can kind of plan accordingly. And and you're not repeating the the insanity loop of just expecting the same, yeah, something different. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Yeah. Those are two awesome pieces of advice. Well, Brandon, thank you again. Um, let's definitely ca- stay in touch and uh, yeah, definitely try to make it down to Miami soon. But, um, but yeah, it's been great having yeah. you on here. It was awesome, man. Yeah, if you come down, please hit me up. We definitely got to go get some dang Cuban food and some drinks and yeah. stuff. Uh, it'll be a great time. Uh, that, that sounds awesome.